Welcome to Cut the Fluff, a space where we drop the small talk, peel back the curtains, and truly delve into what it is that makes us tick and what's keeping us up at night. You can expect honest, raw, and very vulnerable conversations. What's your story? What's your sign? It's like we're twin flames in a different life. Deep connection, lights a spark. It's like you know me in the depths of my heart. We're dreamers. Hey folks, and welcome back to episode two of Cut the Fluff. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the cycle of self-sabotage and getting caught up in the comparison game. We'll also be discussing that as women, we want to be chosen based on merit and not because an organization is simply trying to hit their diversity and inclusion quota. We also touch on making friends as adults, the scarcity mindset, and writing your own obituary. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And as always, if you like it, hit the subscribe button and feel free to share this episode with a friend that you think might find it useful. Welcome back. So two, here we are. We made it. Can you believe we haven't uh, run away just yet? One of us tried. (laughs) (laughs) I did receive a brief phone call from Annika this morning being like, I need a bit of a pep talk to just get me into this next one. And that's actually my segue into this first discussion that I wanted to have with you was how did you feel after recording the first episode? Walk me through just how you felt. Like straight after we did it or during or? Uh, All of the above, during, straight after and the days to follow. I'm just interested to hear your experience because I certainly noted something about my experience and that I, I see is a common pattern with myself and I just wanted to see if you potentially experience the same things. I'm so curious about what you felt after. Um, okay, but I'll share the journey in a nutshell. Recording it, we started, and I'm sure it like kind of shows in the video and our voices, but like, yeah, a little stop start and like, oh, we're just finding our way, which is what this podcast is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fine. I expected that. During it, I was like, uh we're just rolling with it like I don't know if I should have said that I just said that okay and sort of a lot of um self-filtering going on Mm -hmm. I don't know if you had that like I there's probably things I would have said if we weren't recording and and been even more off the cuff but I was like holding back a little bit and then I said things and I was like yeah and then post I don't know if this is what you felt but I was like I need to talk to Danny about maybe editing some of those things out. Like, um, yeah, some of the things at the beginning about mom and then at the end. Yeah, I felt a bit uncomfortable after. And still, and I think that's why I called you this morning. I'm like, ah, uh, I don't know. Maybe we need to plan this out a bit more, not be so off the cuff. Um, but like, I'd say emotions like this, like, yeah, this is great. You should just do things. Progress over perfection. Come on, Annika. Like, this is what you're about. And then like, ah, what if the world sees me like this? I'll never get booked for anything. Or <laughs> Isn't it yeah. fascinating? And I, I can very much resonate with that. So while it was happening, I was kind of like, oh, we're in the flow. We're, we're really just 
doing it. We showed up. That's the first step, you know. And then as things progressed, I also felt a sense of like, oh, should I be saying that? Is that correct? And then afterwards, when I listened to the podcast, I was really happy with it. But then as days start to follow and then I'm trying to navigate the the kind of behind the scenes stuff of how to upload a podcast and there's so many other podcasts out there. And then, you know, you start this comparison game from that perspective. And then also second guessing the content that we're creating and is it going to be of use to anyone you know why are we even doing this and you start going into this cycle of self-sabotage and I it's something that I find I do quite often I will either not start a project or once I've completed it it will just sit idle with me and never actually make it out into the world I have so much incredible content that in the moment when I'm creating it, I'm so in the flow and I'm really like truthfully aligned with the message. And even with what we discussed during our last podcast, I I don't feel like I said anything that was untruthful or didn't align with what I, where I'm truly at, but I still went through this self-sabotage cycle. It's something that I truly recognize, I think within a lot of women that I speak to particularly, and there is this one saying, a man walks into a gallery and he looks up at this massive painting up the wall. And this massive painting is literally just a canvas that is 10 meters by 10 meters and it's just been painted black. And he's standing there looking at it and another guy shows up next to him and he goes, I could have done that. And that guy turns around and says, well, that's the difference between you and him. He did it and you didn't. And at that always when I go into that mode of like oh god is that that you know meant to be out there or or this second guessing myself that always comes into mind that that particular story so I don't know if that will potentially help someone else out there to see it from a different perspective but there are there any particular things or or traits that you have or little things that you do to really help yourself break through that self-sabotage cycle there's this thing i think i read in sam harris's book and now i might be butchering that i'll have to check it and we can Mm -hmm. put it in the show notes the idea that you have 20 seconds of they call it activation energy um before like when you go i want to go to the gym or i want to meditate i'm gonna like actually cook dinner you've got 20 seconds of like unwavering commitment to doing that thing And so that's where you're all aligned. You'll start working toward like getting your shoes to go to the gym or like getting the pots and pans out. If you don't act in those 20 seconds, that's when you give the mind the opportunity to talk you out of it. I've always sort of had that at the back of my mind and I know myself that I need structures and systems in place so that I can like get ahead of the 20 second act. um, What did I call it? Activation. Like I know when I'm gonna back out of something if I've already like put the shoes next to the bed or the yoga mats rolled like out and ready, I'm more likely to do it. I don't know. Maybe that's more for habits, but the self-sabotage, like when it comes to creating and like posting my own art and thoughts kind of like this, um, I couldn't tell you how many articles I've written, how many like programs I've got ready to launch (laughs) <laughs> it's like a little bit of failure to launch like they're sitting in 
all over my desktop like and in files and I just haven't clicked publish because a voice gets in the way sometimes I'm like oh we'll wait for this moment it'll be ready when and those excuses so on so on what do you feel would help you do you feel that having this kind of relationship like you and I do where we almost are I find a bit of like we've come into that dynamic as accountability buddies I think that's the ticket I just think we have finite amounts of willpower and we're all human and we all face like this imposter syndrome of this self-sabotage and instead of trying to like fight it all the time and overcome it which I think maybe is a masculine energy like the doing the Mm -hmm. yang energy I think as females like we want things to flow we want things to feel effortless and and easy that's not that you don't put effort in but I'm kind of coming to this point where I'm like I don't want to effort so much I want to be able to go with the flow and I think doing it with other people is like that's the gas that's Mm. how you do it I guess if you can't find the space where you've have people that you necessarily resonate with or you can't find that online create it and I think that's where we're coming from with this we couldn't find something out there that really resonated with the way that we operate so we're creating it amongst ourselves with the accountability perspective and also on the front forefront of talking about masculine and feminine I know this whole working with your cycle thing originally I was like this is whole bunch of woo But the more and more I've become in tune with my cycle, I'm very much realizing there are certain times within the month that I'm a lot more productive than I am with the rest of them. And I am starting to honor that. The 20s of each month for me, I I believe I'm ovulating, but I am on fire. I'm just like, yep, productivity. I've got creativity coming through my ears. And I have learned to honor that because I was really coming to a point where I was trying to force creativity 24-7. While it's a really great skill to have to be able to keep yourself at that level consistently, I don't think it's sustainable and I don't think it's a a realistic thing for a lot of people. So I think learning to honour your cycles, particularly as someone that does have one, I read in, uh, what is it, In the Flow by Alyssa Vitti. She has a really good book that covers all of this. So I will link that in the show notes below. Yeah, that is so true. We've talked about that too. We're like, let's make sure we always are recording during the 20s of the month. (laughs) In sync, even though we're in different states, which is the power of (laughs) womanhood. Just on the on the point around like creating and then like sitting on your hands and not putting it out in the world. Have you got something like that? Like what's the one thing that like my partner and I, when we met and like still to this day, he reminds me the thing that I said when we met was like, I don't want to die with the music inside me. I love that saying. Yes. Do not die with the music still in you. And I, I live by that saying. I can't believe that. <laughs> It's a mantra for life and and it gives me heart palpitations right like i would rather express my my gifts and my my self to the world in whatever clunky way that looks um than not right Mm -hmm. and um so i i feel like everyone has this thing and maybe maybe once you've like done that thing a new thing emerges into your life like what's the one thing for you what's the music that remains trapped inside for you that if you could express it that would just be like 
if you were to walk off the planet tomorrow, you'd be like, I did that thing. I have a couple of them that sit within me and I have a thing where I experience life paralysis, where I have so many things that I feel are the music within me that I just get so overwhelmed by all the things that I would like to produce that I just end up kind of stagnated at the crossroads. And that's something that I'm really trying to work with is like consistency is key. So choose one thing and work with that while the others are plottering on in the background, but really channel your energy into, you know, where attention goes, energy flows. So I think what I have a habit of doing is like dipping my toe in every single option that I see rather than really dedicating my time and attention to the one thing. I have a couple of things. One thing that comes to front of mind right now, right here is I captured my experience in the US firsthand. And I mean, the good, the ugly, the tears, everything, the highlights, the lowlights, And I can certainly see that coming together as maybe a doco of some sort that really showcases what it's like. You know, a lot of us have a tendency of, and I don't know, maybe I fall into that category, but a lot of us have a tendency of putting up this facade of when you're out there chasing your dreams um, that, you know, it's all glitzy and glam, but there is such intensity and heartache that goes along with the roller coaster that I don't think a lot of people have managed to capture firsthand. And I hope to share that one day. I have footage galore that I just need to work through and get on with that project. And I think a lot of people out there would be able to resonate with the messaging and hopefully get insight into what it's really like to try and get a break in the, in the big smoke. So that's, that's probably one thing for me personally. I got full chills when you just (laughs) so. Yeah. yeah, it was, it's, it's quite, in, and I think there's an element of the intensity of it. You know, I'm really raw in some of the, the footage, you know, I've, I've just come off this roller coaster of being told, for example, I've been booked for a job or I've been put on hold for a job and then just dumped at the last minute. And you're just like, what? And then all the emotions that come with that. And I remember specifically, there was some footage around my agents telling me that I had to, um, lose weight and work on my ass to get into Miami swim week. And I was at my thinnest at that point. And just, I guess, having the level of awareness that I did as a 28 year old going into the market in LA, I was able to somewhat stay, I guess, true to myself um, and not go down that route of trying to appease to others ideas of what, which way my body should appear. So yeah, that's kind of where, I'm at, but do you have any projects yourself? Many projects. When you did yeah. this with your hand, you stretched it out. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, that hand and this hand and my toes. <laughs> yeah, I think because last episode we talked about the Renaissance woman or the like uh, multi-passionate entrepreneur who has multiple income streams, multiple passion points. Um, And this idea that like, I can't drop this word, like this word is imprinted in my head now. And I think it means things for different people, but like sovereign beings, I don't know. I love that word. I'm like all about sovereignty, like self-sovereignty, creating your own wealth, not being reliant on systems, on governments, on like external forces to create that wealth for you. 
Um, sovereign being in terms of your health, like you're in charge of that. No one is putting anything in your body to manipulate that for you. Like you get to own that um, and into other aspects. So self-sovereign. Um, but yeah, back to multi-passionate entrepreneurs. And I think it's a double-edged sword, like being really interested in lots of things mm-hmm. and having experiences in a lot of things and um, being able to like augment conversations with people or work with different people because you've got different vantage points is is awesome. But like, yeah, the other side of the sword is fuck, so many things on the boil <laughs> and, and not seeing things to completion. And I think that's really upsetting for the soul. And I think that factors into your identity and your belief system around like, I'm not someone who finishes things. I think that can be really detrimental. And particularly when you're comparing yourself to everyone else, like, and I consider myself a conscious user of, of the, you know, the platforms such as Instagram, but you're out there comparing yourself being like, God, they're like, you know, 28 and they're at that point in their lives. And, you know, this, this vicious cycle begins internally. You're like, God, why can't I, you know, achieve as much as this individual has achieved, but then I always try to take a step back and be like, okay, my story is not theirs, firstly, and actually take a moment to have a think about everything that you have achieved in your lifetime up until this moment, based on your own storyline, nobody else's. But I have a feeling because we're faced with the online realm, you know, back in the 80s, you were comparing yourself to Susie and and. Margaret down the street but now you're comparing yourself to a world scale and it can be quite crippling to feel like you're you're almost behind in some ways but that that's not the truth it's not the truth and I think that saying of don't compare your beginning with somebody's middle or end Mm -hmm. we don't know how long people have been working away at their craft or whatever they're doing and we're not all in the same boat. We are not in the same boat. Like people are in different circumstances, different backgrounds. And you're right, like that exercise of just writing your own, I've done this a few times. Have you done like your own narrative, like writing your story? I wrote my own, uh, is it called a eulogy? Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I honestly, I wrote, this was only about a month ago. I, for some reason, I was writing my morning pages and I was like, I'm going to write my own eulogy. I hope I'm saying that right. I feel like I'm saying that wrong, but anyway. Yeah, it's like a speech at your funeral. Yeah, a speech at my funeral for those that don't know what a eulogy is. I wrote it because I wanted in that moment to understand and capture what I wanted to be remembered for. And like based on that very moment that I had lived life up until and looking back in hindsight of like everything that I achieved in that moment, as if I was to drop off the side of the planet right here, right now. But yeah, what people would actually be saying and the way that I perceived myself as well up until this moment. And that was quite confronting, won't lie. There were a couple of tears shed, but it also gave me a really good insight into, hey, am I actually living my truth? And am I comfortable with the way that I'm progressing forward? to ensure that I don't die with the music still in me. Yeah. So can you share like some of the themes that came out and how? Oh, I don't, 
it's it's in my bedroom I've got my journal in my bedroom some themes that came out I think for me personally it's kind of the idea of leaving no stone unturned and you know that whole concept I guess plays into um, ensuring that you don't die with the music still in you and just taking a step back and even going to the bare bones of being a great partner being a supportive friend being a really great sister daughter and just what light I've actually consciously tried to spread out into the world and just taking a first-hand look at that really brought me a lot of joy um, and also kind of gave me this this idea that it's not all about the end product it's actually the process and the journey of getting to where you believe you're destined to go and I think that was really, really um, insightful for me personally. Wow. I think we all need to go write. Oh, you <laughs> yeah, um, Hidden messages for our soul, right? Like, just a remembrance for, yeah, it's not about the tick boxes and how much did you get done, but like who were you, who were you and how did you make people feel? Because um, that's what people remember, how you made them feel, right? Not what you did. Mm, that uh, what is it Maya Angelou saying uh, people won't remember what you said or did they'll remember how you made them feel and that yeah. always resonates with where I'm at and in all honesty the reason why I feel we started this podcast is we want others to feel seen through our process through our discussions we hope even if one person out there says I feel that way I don't feel so alone in my thoughts anymore. I've honestly, I'm happy to bow out. Definitely. I mean, you know this, so I've been like slogging away for the last two weeks or so in my spare time writing the copy for my new website Yeah, and um, like trying to bridge all the things I do in last episode. Like actually that was really insightful. I feel like, because we were tossing around some of the names for this. I think we could possibly call this podcast also talk therapy. Yeah. Because just by talking, I was like, oh, I recognize that all these seemingly disparate things that I do have to have a through line. Like, that's what it means for me. Like, I have to feel connected. And so, writing the copy for my website um, is taking me so long because I feel like there's layers and layers of like, just get to the kernel of like, not what you do, but who are you and who do you want to be? And so it's like, it's like, it's been like journal writing and soul searching. And the thing that I keep coming back to is I like, whether I'm facilitating a workshop, whether I'm doing a speech, whether I'm like holding a a dinner party around my table, I want people to feel seen, feel heard and that they matter. That's it. Like drop the mic. Like that's, that's it. Amen. I'm going to let you guide the next part of this conversation. You mentioned something on the phone to me very briefly, and I will say this, that we don't actually discuss what we're going to discuss prior, but you did drop a bit of a truth bomb on the phone to me earlier. I don't know if you want to go down that pathway. Which way do you want this to go? Um, Look, I think you've set it up to dive into the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) leave the listeners hanging like yeah well maybe maybe it's like a good marketing play they'll actually tune into the third episode 
I will share what I, I mentioned to you. And I think it's probably something that crosses every woman's path. It either has or it will or or it's played out for their friends or their colleagues in some shape or form. It's around the idea of diversity and inclusion. Like we've had a big shift in the corporate world and I think outside of the corporate world and thinking about how we have more diversity and inclusion in those places and spaces and I'm all for that. I'm all for like um, wage equality and um, you know, everyone having a seat at the table. But where it gets me is like, I fundamentally believe you want to have a seat at the table. And I personally, I want to have a seat at the table based on merit, like based on what I'm bringing to the table, my uh, my experience, my skills, what I've got to say. When it's, when it's like a box checking exercise, not here for that. Mm. Like I think that diminishes the integrity of the person that's stepping up to the plate to like tick that box like i don't want to be a a number you have to feel and so this came up because i had had a client call just before this um briefing me on a project and and it was cool and i'm chatting with him and i'm like so why didn't you ask this other guy who is in the same region as me and has worked with the team and um like, I'm just curious, why did you ask me to do it and, and not invite this other guy? And then there was this awkward silence and um, they were like, oh, well, you know, like three white males doesn't look too good, does it? <sighs> oh, it just, it was that. Like, it took away everything from the conversation we'd had and it took away any sort of, like I'm, I got to a point where I'm like, I know what I'm good at. I know what I can do and I know what I've done, but it takes, you know, you want to be there because, Hey, Annika, we heard you're great. And you did a great job on that last thing. And we really, really, really want to work with you versus like, we need another face up there. And because you're half Indian, that's like also ticking the, the color box. Diversity. Oh my God. I mean, it didn't go there, but they were uncomfortable with that. And I'm like, well, doesn't that isn't that an interesting space where you're uncomfortable even telling me that you're picking me because I tick the diversity box. And um, now I feel uncomfortable and almost like unworthy of this position. And so no, I think no one wins. I think it's like we're paying, playing lip service to an idea, but not truly going about it in the way that like real diversity and inclusion should be played out, which is like, you know, on the basis of your ability. You're married. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, firstly, that you had to experience that firsthand. And I can imagine that the experience has been quite deflating after being like on a high. And then just having that said to you, just like, what? I saw this play out firsthand as well. Prior to leaving to uh, LA, I used to work in corporate events and I used to work in the energy realm. There's a lot of engineers in the space and there aren't any many females. And the board decided that I was working with that every panel should have a 50-50 split of male versus female. I just felt so uncomfortable in the process because there weren't 
as many uh, females in this particular industry. And there were individuals that were males that were considered experts in particular areas. We were going to these women saying, hey, we'd really like you on these panels. And they were getting up there. And then the feedback that we were receiving regarding the speakers was you know, really terrible and it reflected badly on us and on them. And it got to a position where I started feeling really uncomfortable about the fact that these poor women were getting up there and quite knowingly they were put, being put up there because of the, the you know, 50-50 quota that we're trying to hit. The, the missing link in this particular instance was the fact that none of the females in the industry that were there were being nurtured to come up to the level or the space that the males were operating at, or they just weren't there just yet. And so rather than going based on this like tokenistic approach, we started looking into how we could actually build a support system to really nurture these women that were wanting to get up on stage with their male counterparts and still be there based on merit, not solely based on the 50-50 split that we're trying to reach. And I see it play out across so many industries, even in the US, they have a quota that they must reach for modeling jobs, big campaigns. You know, you need the black, the Caucasian, um, the Hispanic, Asian, and a mix ideally. So they need to hit quotas. And that's where I just, I feel a level of discomfort and disease when we're solely going down that route just to hit like and check the, the box as you discussed. How would, how, how do you envision this, this, I guess, com- not conversation, but how you envision this going forth? What do you perceive as the right way to go about this? Is there a right way? And I mean, isn't that the million dollar question right now? And um, <clears throat> I think even talking about it, and I think men wouldn't, men would be too afraid to even say what we've said about it being tokenistic. And yeah. I think even that's a shame because it is like, here are two women from different industries saying, I don't like having my name put into the ring because I'm a woman. I want you to be choosing me because on, on merit. And, um, I think the conversation should be exactly what you said before about nurturing and giving space for women to rise up and and be in positions where they're chosen on merit. I think that like it, it has to start a layer below, layers below on like bringing women in and like building the leadership capability, building the speaking skills, building the confidence. I mean, we could have a whole nother episode on females feeling confident about their, their self-worth mm. um, and like owning their space and I think that's where it really starts. Like we've got to take more ownership of, um, of growing that. And so, yeah, like even in this industry in that conversation I had with those, um, two white males was, you know, I think the precursor to that is, well, bring us into the conversation. I've got other female colleagues who, who work in that space and they're like, we put our hand up to like, to help educate you and lead you into ways that can be more inclusive that where women feel like you're actually um we're actually part of the conversation we're not just a token Mm. Um, but they're shutting those conversations out until it's like oh the dollars are on the line the client wants to see diversity it looks good um so then we're picking you 
So I think, yeah, to your question, like we've just got to, we've just got to be thinking holistically 360 about how are we raising women now to think about themselves, to, to put them in positions where they're getting chosen based on merit. Um, because I think we all agree there should be equal opportunity. Yeah. He's not saying that. Um, but we all just want to feel, feel good about ourselves when we arrive in that position. Yeah. Hey, what about females? I think this is an interesting segue. I'd like your opinion on it. Mm-hmm. But females helping females. And there's we've seen memes out there that like um, behind every successful female are like a tribe of other women. I'm butchering that. But the idea of women supporting women. Yeah. And I don't know if that's another area where women give that lip service, but when women are feeling like the shadow side of putting yourself out there is like scarcity, not enough to go around, competition, jealousy. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my question is like, do you think women supporting women is an important part of that framework for, you know, this equal opportunity and women being part of the conversation? Yeah. Part of that, like, we've got to have women mentoring women and showing them the ropes. Yes, I absolutely agree. I feel like there's a, a deeper question that you're wanting to ask here, though. Am I sensing that? That do I actually feel like women support women? Oh, or have I just? Do you feel like women support women? <laughs> <laughs> the kernel of the question. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Thank you, Freud. No. <laughs> Thank you, Freud. Um, I've never assigned myself to the scarcity mindset, and I personally have seen it play out it's an interesting dynamic because I'm going from the modeling realm perspective right now when I speak women as a whole support the whole you know diversity uh, movement self-love and and there's that aspect of of um, everyone being in the same boat and seeing that as a cause that they're fighting for but then there's some level of competition that plays out particularly if you have a scarcity mindset that hey I'm actually technically up against you because only one of us can be booked for a job or whatever it may be so there's almost this like dynamic playing out of hey we have this vision and this is the message that we're we're putting out there and we believe everyone should you know love their bodies etc and there shouldn't be any competition against women and you shouldn't compare yourself to others but then there's the element of as well you know you're, you're up against that individual <laughs> technically and so I've seen that play out behind the scenes I'd like to say I've never got, gotten involved with it because I'm of the mindset that there is enough of the pie to go around I've personally diversified my income enough to not have to solely rely on modeling. And I I know that if it's your bread and butter, you probably have a bit of a a different relationship with how that pans out. Does that answer your question or have I gone on a total tangent? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) A good tangent. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. How it can play out in your industry and where we see that. Um, and I love that you don't have that scarcity 
mindset and I know that's true you're not I feel like I'm acting all woke here but I totally might not be able to actually perceive myself I'm just you know the way I I guess I perceive myself but I might be perceived differently out there in the world so who knows (laughs) yeah you what people are saying about you (laughs) (laughs) beating down other women and I wonder if this was in your eulogy because I think I would want this in there too, this idea of like being seen, being heard and and that you matter is that you're building other people up and like exposing their, their beauty and their greatness. And, um, I think that's the spirit of the sisterhood Mm -hmm. is when we do that, that's magical. Like that's something women have in spades against the men. Like we have that, that is inherent Mm -hmm. in our, in our DNA as women is to is to connect and be collaborative and be a tribe in the sense in the best sense of the word. Yeah, of because it genuinely like particularly when you look at motherhood, it does take a village. So I feel like we have that innate wisdom of really understanding that we have to work together in order to survive. If we take it back, you know, a couple of thousand years ago, but even now, like staying connected and and nurturing each other. And I, I've seen that. I feel like we refer to memes a lot, but I've seen that thing. You want to, <laughs> you want to <laughs> yeah, just scroll. That's how I get my <laughs> Lockdown scrolls. <laughs> that saying, uh, surround yourself with women that will mention you in a room full of opportunities. Opportunity. Love that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you do that? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, an, I'm a name dropper. I think I can get a little bit annoying sometimes. <laughs> but I'm like I don't know someone says they have gut issues and I'm like you know what I know this great person or I know you know someone that has skin issues and I'll I I'm I kind of consider myself Charlotte's Charlotte in the web and just connecting people with people that I truly align with and I truly believe they have a lot to give to this world and I've seen them in their flow in their power in speaking their truth and and I love that so I'd rather you know I think word of mouth plays a huge role in in getting new business in so yeah even if it's not from a business perspective well even from like I'm newly I've newly moved to the area here in Byron and had zero friends and moving at a time when it's like weird times in the world where you don't know how people feel about the world whether they want to interact or they don't but like friend friend introductions um friend friend introductions <laughs> I just made that that's a word. Um, I I met this woman I I like pawn my kids out at the playground so I like make them go and play around people that I think I would like to connect with and have a glass of wine <laughs> go over there come on go play horse <laughs> connection but I've met some really lovely women that way at the playground and like form genuine connections but I met this one woman here in Byron who I picked up at the playground one afternoon and she has been so generous in the way that she has introduced me to her friend circle because I think you said it doesn't always have to be a business context and I think yeah in a life context like sharing the wealth sharing the resources and and like the feeling as an adult of being brought into an established group of friends and actually she has different friends all over the place but 
being brought into that and her generosity of spirit around that, I actually mentioned it to her. I was like, that is really beautiful to see because I think even a scarcity mentality around friendships can play out with women and our like clicky friendship circles. Like they're mine. If I introduce them to Daniela, she's going to take them over there and I won't be invited. And Mm. playground, like schoolyard mentality, I think can play out of scarcity. Yeah. I think, um, you know, women helping women and supporting women in all aspects is just like, it's the best. What do we think? Like if we want to give some, tools for people or some questions for them to ponder on that came to my mind as you were talking about that was when you're standing in a circle leave the circle open this is more in physical when we're in physical but if we're actually talking in a circle actually leave the end of the circle open to allow space for others to move in and that very minute uh change in in just the space allows others to feel welcomed in to the conversation or whatever it may be rather than keeping the the circle closed. I've heard that previously. Um, Have you road tested that? Have I road tested it? I generally have a tendency. I like to think I have spatial awareness. So I try to keep like myself open to be able to allow anyone else in the space in to, to speak or, um, or join up, join our little click so not especially at like the beginning of networking events or oh, they're anxiety inducing <laughs> do you get nervous before those i i'm not a i don't like small talk and i think that's where i struggle i think this whole podcast the fact that we you know we've actually named it by the way we've named it cut the fluff on the basis that cut out the small talk i like to get into the nitty-gritty i like to know what makes you tick and I know there's a time and space for all of these conversations but I'm done with the small talk I really am and I think that's where I get kind of hives every time I go into you know the corporate <laughs> stuff <laughs> working events I'm just like I can't do this small talk thing like yeah. take off your layers take off your masks talk to me what's going on and some people find that really confronting and I, I need to honor that I need to kind of you know, as we're talking about it last episode was like either rein it in or let it, let it, you know, your freak flag fly. I mean, it's so funny that you and I actually met in LA at a strange dinner party. Like we didn't know. <laughs> a strange that. <laughs> I was going to say a stranger dinner party. But like, there were 30 strangers there and we just happened to, you walked in and I was like, she has a friendly face. And I think at these events, my like subconscious is looking for a safe face i think we all do that we're like looking for safety appease my limbic brain it's like looking for certainty yeah. and you looked certain and <laughs> why thank you <laughs> yeah and i was like i want to sit next to her because she feels safe and that's how we like this is neuroscience like once we feel psychologically and physiologically safe we open up our brain to be able to have deeper conversations and so i mean in some of my workshops, the number one goal is to make people feel safe as soon as you can, straight off the bat, even before you've opened the conference or the workshop, is to be creating ways for people to have that safety so that when you call on them to answer a question or you, you get going or you put them in groups, they've already got that psychological safety there. So they'll 
they'll be more receptive. Are you able to provide insight into how you make people feel safe? I think that's really interesting. Well, I think honoring that there are introverts and extroverts, you can guarantee that extroverts are like ready to get into it, talk and they're chatty Cathy's, but you want to start with the introverts because, and and I think we've come a long way from like, you're an introvert or an extrovert. We know that you can be, and I would go as far as to guess you're an extrovert as am I, but, but we recharge as an introvert. Like I don't Mm -hmm. want to talk. I don't want to talk to you. (laughs) I don't want my kids near me. I want to like me time. Yeah. Um, but like on a very simplistic level, when you're in a room, you want to appease the introverts, the people that break out in hives at the thought of like having to stand up and introduce themselves to a room full of 30 people, which let's be honest, I think most of us feel butterflies about having to do that, even Mm -hmm. if they're your colleagues. Yeah. So one technique is to, before you throw people into that situation where you're like, stand on your feet and introduce yourself, highly stress um, producing activity, turn to the person next to you and have a quick chat about what you did on the weekend or like the greatest thing that happened to you in the last 24 hours. So so one, you're creating intimate connections and that feels safe the brain can go there's one person i can do that i'm not like i'm not being exposed Mm -hmm. and two you're creating a personal connection so personal stories build rapport and we want we like people that are like us so if we can find commonalities like oh they've got kids or they've got family or they like kicked a footy around oh cool i can relate to that we're building the neural networks and the like heart coherence which has been measured to create that safety. So yeah, that's one technique is to first form one-on-one connections. Then you can work to like groups of four or five. And then you're at the place where you can go, okay, let's hear from the audience, like thoughts on this. And like people are more willing to put up their hand and actually stand up and speak. But like safety, safety, safety is the name of the game. At a dinner party, at a conference, at a wedding, any social occasion on a zoom conference like don't just jump into your your meeting like build some rapport and personal connections so icebreakers are good um or even creating breakout rooms in small against small groups small numbers yeah there you go free free (laughs) advice from annika (laughs) how much are you how much are you charging us for that one (laughs) (laughs) that's free that's free you can have it um i'm gonna start wrapping up things here but i've got a question for you at the end of this episode yes please what's one of your most irrational fears um maybe it's rational jumping out of a plane oh are you going to do it once you reopen um i still feel like i might die and i feel like my kids need me okay yeah that's actually but it, so is it a very valid fear? valid point so um my irrational fear is seaweed and drowning because seaweed has captured hold of me. I'm a really strong swimmer, but the moment I see seaweed below me, it's as if I forget how to swim. Sorry, you feel like it might like tangle around your leg? Like a cartoon, like come up and like pull me down or something will appear out of the seaweed. Yeah, that's that's my irrational fear. Oh, so like would also um, deep water where you can't see the bottom 
be quite terrifying for you. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I had this incident where we parked the boat in Croatia and I asked the guys on the boat, hey, is there no seaweed? And they're like, yeah, no, 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 there's no seaweed. And then what happened was the shadow of the boat started moving and as it, like the sun hit the water, I'm in the water and there's seaweed below me. I started to panic. The guys had to come out. I like, I'm a really strong swimmer, really strong. And I just, I lose all function, functionality. So oh, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's a fear that I'm working through. Maybe I just need to go sit like with it for a little bit. Just cover myself up in seaweed. I don't know. Oh, wow. How funny is the human brain? Maybe a past life you did get taken under. Who knows? Drowned because of seaweed. On that note, thank you for listening. No, thank you for listening. I mean, thank you for chatting. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to listeners for listening and for us to chatting. Yes. Um, We'll be back hopefully with another episode. We're keeping each other accountable. And until next time, folks. See you on the flip side and cut the fluff. Cut that out. (laughs)